0: Hello, welcome. My name is Sharon Froshen. I am the Chief Operating Officer for the Discover Your Path U platform where we believe that every life can teach and everyone can grow. I am also the host of this show, The Connection Sessions, in which we bring together practitioners, entrepreneurs, artists, marketers, spiritualists, mentors, and students to learn from each other's best practices and to authentically develop our own. I have with me today, and I'm super excited about it, a good friend of mine and a fellow coach named Susan Darling Spurrier, who focuses on an extremely intricate, important, and often overlooked portion of life in her life coaching. So Susan, I'm hoping that you'll take a moment to introduce yourself, let us know how you got into this portion of life coaching, and why you're so passionate about it.
1: Well, first of all, Sharon, thanks for having me. I'm deeply honored and humbled to be with you sharing this space. And it is quite an interesting story. As you know, both of our fathers were pastors. And for me, to spend time with my dad, oftentimes I would wind up going to a funeral home with him, or when I got older, I would play piano for funerals and and make my mad money that way well i got kind of comfortable with death and hanging out at funeral homes back in the day and um, i had uh, gone to school in england for a year i came back i wasn't certain what to do and i got a job as a nursing assistant at a masonic hospital for the aging little did i know they would be transitioning into the other world but that was in my comfort zone However, at that time I decided, uh, no more of this over my lunch hours. So I went a whole other route. <laughs> and that's a story of its own. So uh, I find myself down the road, probably I'm in my 30s. My dad is very ill. I'm about 36. I go home to him, take my daughter. I was a single mom at the time, and he had lung cancer. And it metastasized and it got really, really deep and not very nice. Mm -hmm. Well, being the compassionate person, I was brought up to be and comfortable with death all these years. And my dad being my soulmate of, you know, very passionate relationship and going many places and learning many things from him. And that's also the reason why I joined the military was because of my
0: dad. (laughs) Maybe you do. I don't know. Indeed.
1: Yes, and and so he was so very sick, and I took my daughter, we went home, and I spent um, roughly five months uh, helping him die, and after that, people would talk to me, and they'd say, what do you do? I said, I help people die. <laughs> I had no idea there was a good name for that, and it is End of Life Doula,
0: mm-hmm.
1: Well, some more time passed. Um, I had a grandmother who had Alzheimer's and some issues, and she wound up to live with my aunt for a while and some other things. She lived with my parents. I took some care there. And um, then my other grandmother was living up into her, she was 92, having a big birthday party, 93, 94, 95, headed to 96. And she just suddenly was just a decrease. So I was a single mom. I had married again, but then I was a single mom yet again. So my mom was like, would you like to come home and help with your grandmother? Okay. So I'll do that. I got there and that was another five month journey. Mm -hmm. And I would sit in the lazy boy at night and be with her and, before she passed, oh, three or four weeks, she said, you want to do this. You know compassion. You understand mercy. You take time with somebody. You honor them. And I took that to heart. And um, there was another divorce. Some more <laughs> things. Life got in the road. My daughter got married. I got married. And end of life has just been this overwhelming passion. Well, I got into coaching and mentoring basically to help hurting women because being a single mom, a divorced person, ex-military, homeless person, (laughs) can I identify and I see hurt in women's eyes and somehow they feel comfortable. So I focused on that for a good while. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: But then recently I found more information on end-of-life care, and it is death doula, sitting and spending time with the family, with the friends. Actually, they don't call it coaching, but that is exactly what happens. Mm -hmm. You have the education. It's a non-medical professional person that goes in, assesses the needs, interviews the family and or friends, as well as the person that's transitioning that will be going uh, on into the next world. And you develop a care plan for the the patient, the family, and friends, and it's one of support. And um, oftentimes, at that point, hospice will be involved.
0: Mm -hmm. So I'd love to know from you, how is it that you are able to take a portion of life being the end of our life, which makes it an important portion of it because there has to be a beginning and an end, how is it that you take something that so many other coaches spend all of their time giving their energy towards our clients not having to focus on and not having to deal with and not having to be afraid of? How is it that you so seamlessly and easily help people focus on that?
1: Well, first I would say, I'm a rebel. Now I'm a pause, <laughs> And I think it's really sad that people get shunted into nursing homes. Um, family members don't want them. Oftentimes these people have not made plans. Uh, they don't have their advanced directives done. So if we can educate to get the advanced direct- directives done, have information out there sort of start a revolution about this and equalize it to bringing people in the world with style and class and parties and really celebrating then why can we not start this process hey i'm 64 so you know i'm i have some plans how i want to be treated at the end and what's going on but why can we not start this in the here and now and I firmly believe we can and I've helped um, a lot of aging people with their medical plans, their medical care, I get involved with that at times, I go to the doctor with people, I make phone calls, um, help them fill out advanced directives as the case may be but when we get further on in, we have choices and we're not informed as a society here. Mm in the United States that we have this option. Mm
0: -hmm. We have an
1: option not to go to the hospital. If we do go to the hospital, we have an option to say enough, I'm going home. Mm -hmm. If your doctor says you do not qualify for hospice because you're a cancer patient and we're waiting on a cure or have a cure, oh, well, let's just call a hospice and get their doctor involved and see what they have to say. And hospice does not have to be at a facility. Mm It can be at home, which is terrific. Indeed. You can fill bed, the supplies, whatever. You can go and be in your favorite room, have your dogs with you. You can have people bring you the milkshake that you're not getting in the hospital because you are going to be on whatever diet plan they want you to be in. Mm -hmm. So you have so many options. And one of the,
0: go ahead. So I wanted to ask you, how do you bring life coaching into being an end-of-life doula and how do you bring being an end-of-life doula into your life coaching
1: for me I think it's all intertwined I can't separate one skill out from another I know what they are it's intuitive for me Mm -hmm. but to realize to listen to the person with compassion with that loving-kindness attitude, knowing that you're working to develop a relationship, a good working relationship, to solve their issues, mm-hmm. that gives me um, just tremendous satisfaction to know that this person is having a wonderful ending, that we're able to change something, that it's better, that it is compassion-filled and um, you know, it it's um, dealing with families. They don't know what to think about what's coming next. What will it sound like? What will it look like? Should I stay with my mom? Should I have this forgiveness conversation? Should we do a little ho'oponopono? Should we call the priest? Should we call the pastor? Whatever, you know, their belief is. What do we do? Oh, I don't want to call a funeral home, I'm afraid. A doula is able to do that and to bring in the pieces and the parts and to educate to sit with a family member um, a little CBT maybe a, a little um, NLP some mindfulness meditation is huge music in the room it's calming aromatherapy a salt light that change the a salt lamp to change the ions it's limitless
0: that is really spectacular I I love your passion for making somebody comfortable and for honoring this stage of their life. And if there are any life coaches out there watching right now, what would you counsel them on how to speak to family members who are coming to them to either deal with an impending death of a family member or a death that has already happened in their family?
1: Well, if you're not comfortable with it, I would suggest you text me, get with me. I have resources and also there is like a a training that is available worldwide for free. It's one class, but you will find out what to expect. The three stages of, um, of dying, the person gets their diagnosis, and then the next thing is, you know, a lot of disbelief. But then we have a time frame. This will be the second part where we can do some work, oftentimes. And then the actual transition was, it, which is a short time. But by the time the doctor gives a diagnosis, you may have six months, a year. You may really have just gotten the diagnosis and be launching into the next stage and headed for actual active dying but get with me. There's a free class. It's terrific. Um, There's all kinds of information. And in the future, I'm looking to do locally a death cafe, which is where you have people gather. There's like dessert, coffee, beverages like that. And you actively discuss different aspects of dying and death. Wow. And that it happens in New York City. It happens in other places, so locally. I love it. But sharing, wouldn't it be wonderful if we could have a Zoom
0: death cafes? Yes. Yes. I th- and it- I think it would be spectacular if you did that in Discover Your Path You for life coaches who are dealing with clients that are on that same path right now. I think that would be absolutely amazing
1: thank you sharon I, I am thinking long and hard about this initiative it came to me the other day and you know on some of our other initiatives we do we have our water in some of the other groups that we are involved with we actively educate ask questions and i see no reason if you want to go further with dual care there's a program for Um, aging doula, aging doula, there is um, health advocacy for seniors, there's also this end of life doula, which is terrific, because actually, a lot of clients will write their own obituaries in the first person, which is so wonderful, I love it. Powerful, too. aunt did that, it was terrific. They plan their own services, they talk to the person who's going to eulogize them, which is terrific. Some people make videos that are played to their gathering.
0: Oh, that they just get... went on my bucket list. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely.
1: And um, it's really great because they pick the location, whether it's a chapel or a church. If you're a veteran, do you want to be outside at the Veterans Memorial Park in a city? Do you want a green burial? burial? You do not have to be cremated. You do not have to be embalmed. It is not a law. There are so many pieces to this that folks do not know. I love it. And, you know, we can talk about what does cremation involve? What's it look like? What's it feel like? What do you do with the cremains or the ashes? What is this kind of funeral going to look like? What does your culture say that you need to do? How can we facilitate that? We can actually honor the body Um, after they have transferred. We can wash the body as a team, the family members, if they want to. We can start at the head and bless, bless the hair that flowed in the wind, the eyes that transferred love and took in all this wonder, the mouth that spoke loving kindness to us that filled us up and we go all the way down as we're washing the body and doing this we can clothe the body we can do a simple pine box for a green memorial a green burial or we can wrap it in a, a cloth some of the cloths now are infused with seeds that are for trees and flowers they're actually buried in the earth as in the old days. So there is such a variety of things. I mean, if you want a party style celebration, that's all in order. You can prepay the caterer, the whole thing, order your flowers. It is just unbelievable. It is open ended and it doesn't have to be crazy expensive. I agree. I don't know what you know, but a lot of people talk to me all. Well, oh, they think they're going to spend 10000 12000 When I tell them we can do this for 2000 maybe or less, depending on the simplicity. But we can do it with honor, with love, with respect. As in the old days, when the, the elders of the village came in, that's simply what a duel is. It's some, and we have young duels also. But they come in and they oh, sit. It.
0: We have Misty Flanagan, who's watching the show with us, and she says, that's me, party like I'm still there, Irish style. (laughs) for it. I love you, Misty.
1: Unbelievable.
0: Both of us come from backgrounds of pretty intense pain, and we were both raised in Pentecostal churches with extremely religious fathers, where we're constantly waiting for the sweet by-and-by, and this world and this existence is just something that we tolerate in order to attain a better state. How do you help your clients, especially clients who may have been raised in those belief systems or with a deeper level of pain? You and I have both been homeless. We've both been assaulted. We've both felt loneliness and we've both uh, been drug addicts and alcoholics who are trying to find our way back to being centered and to being present in this moment. How do you help people process their pain as part of their end life cycle?
1: First of all, meet them wherever they are with whatever is going on and really listen, get to know them. I feel like I have a fairly calm and centered peacefulness. Oh yes. And and to take that in and simply honor the person wherever they are. When I was homeless, if somebody had done that, I would have, it would have been different (laughs) Right. when I was, tell me running and hiding it would have been a different story Mm -hmm. so first take in peace have no end goal in mind other than facilitating a happy ending not knowing what it's going to look like if it's the religious piece i want to hear their viewpoints you know their upbringing let's talk about that let's put it out Mm -hmm. let's get it on the table Let's find out where the fear is. You know, do you need someone that can counsel you in your belief system? It may or may not be me. But I am a very open-minded Christian person that takes into view point, you know, that love is underlying and must be the focus of all that we do, no matter where we are or what is going on. or what the picture looks like or what it doesn't look like really oftentimes what it doesn't look like but you know it's never too late never too late to take your life and change it around
0: agreed i was reading or actually listening to an audiobook by alan watts this morning called the book And he Mm -hmm. was talking about how in our society in the 19th century, the taboo subject was sex. We didn't discuss sex with our children. We didn't give our children the talk. We didn't explain how all of this works. And in the 21st century, the taboo subject is who we truly are. As the watcher, as the observer, as that which lives on past this container. And I'd love to know how you help people As they're passing from this container back to the source from which they came how you help them deal with fear because I have no fear of death I have freedom to
1: live so
0: girl I love that will you say that again
1: because I have no fear of death absolutely no fear of death I have total freedom To live, I mean, absolute total 100% freedom to live.
0: You just gave me chills. Think about it. It's so true, girl. I know.
1: Because it's an unknown. In our lives, haven't you, Sharon, and me, Susan, have not we gone out and gotten educated about what we want to know that we're afraid of? Yes. All right. I have a friend that wants to jump. I haven't jumped, but. Hey, what's going to happen? The worst is I'm going to die, and I'm not afraid of it. <laughs> so the best that can happen will be successful. And we'll learn. We'll go. We'll learn, and we'll do. And she's in her 60s. But I mm-hmm. have a friend that was in her 70 She was 70-something last year, a nurse. She went and jumped. That was something else. But most recently, I had a. I have a wonderful friend who is my mentor, Miss Gloria. She is 90 years old. She oh, yeah. She had no faith. Um, She decided she wanted to be a Christian, so she she became a Christian. She hadn't been baptized, so she got a hold of a group of people, took about a year, and she was recently baptized at a church downtown. Sad story part, her family dropped her off, didn't want to sit there and be with it. But I want to tell you the whole church, and there was like a rock and roll band scenario going on. It was lights and drums and the whole thing. And Miss Gloria is all in tune. It was beautiful. And I have no reason why, in my mind, I have no reason to think that death cannot be beautiful. It Mm -hmm. is what we make of it. And society does not want to talk about it.
0: No, it does not. Our chief spiritual officer, Andrea Hendren, is now watching with us, and she says, that's very Buddhist, free to live because you are no longer afraid. You are wonderful, Susan.
1: Oh, thank you, Andrea. I love to work with Andrea. I'm looking incredible. forward to Oh, she is. Um, it may sound Buddhist, but I think it's a tenet of many belief systems. Yes. Um, because we're taught this, this, and this about death, but when you are free... And do not have that fear and if you happen to be Christian and you look in the Bible and if you have Christian friends and you're not a Christian um, the Bible has in it 365 times words about not fearing do not fear fear not one for each day of the year so that is telling us something as our other belief systems hey what is this deal going on about fear so for me, dealing with fear, and you're part of the reason I'm successful in dealing with fear, Um, you know, the fear of this or that or the other thing, and you having coached me and talked to me about various things. Um, So what is it? What is fear? You break it down, you look at it. It's usually false evidence appearing real, and that's the case in death. It is false evidence appealing real. We listen to stories that people want to tell us about what goes on with the body, Mm -hmm. um, what goes on at the funeral home or the mortuary, how everybody's going to cry and be sad, and we're gonna miss somebody, but turn it around. We honor somebody, we help them come through it, we have a better celebration, and sad to say not all relationships are mended a person may want forgiveness the member of their family or friend will not forgive them But as you and i know that person doesn't have to be present for us to actually exercise the art of forgiveness and i do call it an art because actually in belief systems it is taught forgive people go to them and ask them for forgiveness well if you're reading In scripture and other holy materials and secular material, um, it's not often explained the art, the how-to. You know, it can be simple as writing a letter, a note, burning it, tearing it up. It can be going out and screaming out the anger, the pain, and whatever, and, and deciding, I have forgiven. But keeping things forgiven, people, places, things, and attitudes even forgiving yourself. That's the hard one, forgiving yourself, myself. It it just makes a big difference.
0: So, Well, Susan, thank you so much for being on the show with me today. I absolutely love the passion that you have for life and how it does free you up to deal with death and vice versa. And I love how willing you are to help other coaches and compassionate care professionals deal not only with their own mortality, but also with the mortality of clients that may be coming to them, either with family members that are facing the end of life or their own end of life. So I really appreciate you coming on today to show such a sense of comfort and ease with a subject that so many people are terrified of. I really appreciate it, and I hope that if you're watching and you are a compassionate care professional who might be dealing with a client who either has an end-of-life situation on the horizon for themselves or for family members that you will reach out to Susan. Her contact information will be in this post on Facebook as well as her website, her Facebook contact information. We will also be releasing a YouTube video that you are welcome to share with any of your family members or clients who may currently be looking at their end of life. It's an excellent way to open up a conversation and to take a sting of fear out of something that really should be as celebrated as birth. So thank you so much, Susan. Thank you to our audience for watching. Thank you, Su- thank you Misty and Andrea and everyone else who is with us. We appreciate you being here with us. And as always, we will see you next week. Bye-bye.